Some of you are already looking to Thursday as the only day that keeps you back from Black Friday. That's that day before that. Unfortunately, now it's Black Thursday night, I guess you would call it. And you you look around and you go, couldn't we just have one day where the hurry, where the fear of missing out is not kind of overwhelming you? You know, we, we have that you know, FOMO that we use now, that fear of missing out. I have, I have a different one. Mine is phobie, fear of being included. <laughs> Text messages, Black Friday, those kind of things. I, mean, I want to be included in the kingdom. But there are certain things I don't want to be included in. So I do have that fear of somebody's going to go, you're in. I'm going, I don't want to be in. I really don't want to be in. But you included me. Okay. But we come today, as you have already heard mentioned many times today, as a reminder, this week, this day, next Thursday, the 22nd, you wish it was more than just a day. You wish it was a year. The year of Jubilee, you wish. You wish that year of Thanksgiving, that year set aside just to remind us by faith And by a heart of gratitude, a heart that's grateful, a heart that's thankful. And I realized this last year, for some of you, it's hard to conjure that up. You almost have to work it up. You almost have to get yourself there because what this last year maybe has been, it's hard to think that way. And I get it. But thank goodness we have this that reminds us over and over and over and over. So we're going to go in Philippians chapter 4 as we're cruising through this. We'll be wrapping it up next week. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. It's as if Paul wrote this just for our series, and we appreciate that because it fits right in there. You know, the week that I was going to preach on this, all of a sudden he gives us a thanksgiving. He planned it better than we did. God knew what we would be. But man, has this been ringing through the ages. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, I know that kind of bothers you because, but Paul puts it as an exclamation point there. Rejoice. If you didn't get it the first time, I say to you folks, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. In case you missed it the first time, rejoice. And I said it comma for some of you. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, Paul gives us a formula here, doesn't he? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The Apostle Paul is writing these from prison. It was to remind you of that. Because it is important to know how a person can be writing something like this. He may be having a great day. Life may be great for him. He's in prison. But he's saying, rejoice. And again, I say to you, rejoice. The word rejoice here means, almost as Paul's saying here, more than just joy. It's like this shouting, but it also means to be well, to thrive. It's more than just, hey, I feel good, I'm happy. Because sometimes what is happening doesn't make you, what, happy. You, you wish every day we got up with the, with the purpose of, of trying to do what's right and what's noble and what's pure and what's praiseworthy. Unfortunately, we get up most days and want to be happy. That day is our goal. Our goal that day is to be happy. The problem is what may ha- make me happy today may, may, may bring me a lot of regret tomorrow. So it's more than that. It's joy. Passes all understanding, as Paul says here. Transcends understanding from a human perspective. But to be well, Paul is saying, even in prison, I'm saying to you, I am well, I am thriving right here. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was stoned. Paul was beaten. Paul was chased. Paul was slandered. He was the focus of riots. I don't, there wasn't a riot going on until Paul showed up, and Paul showed up, riots happened. Try to live that kind of life. Because you showed up, a riot happened. The riot wasn't happening before. <laughs> Death threats. You know, the, what I think is interesting about this, the, reading scripture, reading the Apostle Paul is, the only thing that seemed to frustrate him or get him down was the church. Hey, he never got upset about the fact he was in prison. He goes, great. They'll change the guards every eight hours. I'll just preach to them. (laughs) Great. The only thing that seems to frustrate him as I read the word is, is the church. They would not mature. They would not get it. They couldn't just go, man, this is what I'm, I mean, we've read Ephesians. We've studied Ephesians. We've studied Philippians about the mature church or the church who, should be mature. Again, I say rejoice. Acts 16, I love it. We did it back when we did the, the was it, when did we do Acts? That was way back, wasn't it? Last year. Yeah, we continued to do Acts. We like started and just we continued on, didn't it? But I love in Acts 16, here Paul and Silas are, and they're in prison. He seems to be in prison a lot. But about midnight, Paul and Silas, Pilate, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the, everybody else around me so they could hear my voice. 
No, he was singing hymns to God, which is what we need to understand when we come here. When you do it on the lawn, when you're there, you're singing it to him. You're telling him how much he is worth to you. Worthship. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Again, Paul, he's not complaining about being in prison because he knows this is his, some of his best time. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake and the, that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains, everyone's chains, not just theirs, everyone's chains came loose. Think about that. Not just Paul and Silas. The doors flew open. The chains dropped off. And we could do a whole message on that. About what your life and the influence of your life can do for others. They sang. In prison. See, I don't believe God wants us to, wants anything more from us to, than to be people of joy and thanksgiving. Alan Perkins says a thankful spirit is one of the key distinguishing marks of a Christian. It sets us apart from the world. It makes us different. A culture that is full of complaining and criticism. See, the arch enemy of joy and thanksgiving is being critical and complaining. Aren't you glad you came to church today? The two cannot coexist in the same heart. I called myself this morning. I told Josiah, I got to go in there and read my sermon again because I just caught myself complaining this morning before I even got started. I said, like, I got to stop. <laughs> I know Josiah is going, I don't want to hear your complaints either, so just stop. <laughs> Here's what complaining doesn't do change anything or make situations better. Complaining amplifies frustration. Spreads discontent and discord. Complaining makes us miserable, in other words. Do you know anybody right now where there seems like their gift of the Spirit is complaining? <laughs> By the way, it's not a gift of the Spirit, just so you know. Now, there are there standards and there are things you want to, there's a lot of things you can do, but there is a spirit that comes out of that of complaining and criticism. Psalm 77, 3 says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. What if you went an hour without complaining? What if you went a day without complaining? Well, what if you went a week, this week, and made a commitment to somebody around you that you trust, who you, who you know has your best interest at heart. We call them fans here. People who love you but are not impressed by you, who have your best interest at heart. That you'd give them permission every time you complain when it's, or criticism that you're at least checked in that moment. 
don't, okay, just, just, just filter it. Let's just stop just for a moment and filter what we just heard. And it could be justified, and I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, but a spirit, I, I complained, and my soul was miserable. Who would want to reproduce that in their children? Who would want to reproduce that in people that are influenced? Who would want to do that? But we do. So many times when we complain, if we would just for a moment, when we file that complaint, file a praise. When you're standing in that, you pick the wrong line. It's your own stinking fault, your free will. You, you pick the wrong line, and you're complaining. You did it. What if you just begin to pray for the people in front of you? And all things give thanksgiving. And all things give petitions of prayer and request. What if? What if when that person cuts you off and you begin, what if you filed a praise? And a petition to an almighty God who knows them and you don't. What if this week? Just a week. So many times we are focused on what we want God to do for us. That we neglect the thousands of things he has already done for us. And matter of fact, I'll say this. For some of the things you're complaining about to God right now or feel like you just can't move forward with, if you took that for what he's already done in your life, that thing seems pretty small. It seems really small of what he's already done. You know, if he never did another thing for you, it's enough. You're too busy asking for what he hadn't done. He may be looking at you and going, no, I'm not going to let you have that because you'll use it on yourself and you'll use it the wrong way. I'm not, I love you, my child. I would love to bless you, but I can't. I can't. I just believe there's something inside each of us and we see it through the history of culture of mankind of wanting to worship and thank a God. I am convinced that joy in a thankful heart is the greatest defender against being overstressed. (laughs) Your life becomes more I want to's and I get to's than I have to's. Let me ask you today, are more of your life based on I have to's than I get to's than I want to's? Because I believe we serve a God who can transform our way of thinking. We serve a God who began to say, no, you really do want to act that way. You really do want to live that way. Not because it's, that's just the way that everybody's going to go, well, I think he's a Christian. No, you really are being transformed from the inside out. That you want to be that person. You don't just have to be that person. You desire to be that person. It's different. I just think a thankful and joyful heart is an answer for divorce. And I don't think there is divorces in homes where there's thankfulness and joy. I just don't think there is. I think when there's a thankful heart and a joyful heart, there's hope. I think there's less of a lot of things when you have a thankful and joyful heart. 
We could go down a list of them today, and I could put them on the screen, and you'd go, yep, yep, yep. But Paul goes on to say, he said, one of the ways to do this is petitions, right? Request, thanksgiving, prayer. And he goes on to say, and think about such things. You need to wait. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, brother, offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship, no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, this critical, complaining world, no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed, metamorphosed, morpho, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking. You have to, Paul says. The only way you will ever be transformed is your thinking has to change. It has to. What you focus your mind on has to change. And what I love about here, Paul says, whatever. See, in our culture today, whatever is dismissive, whatever. Or it's arrogant, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm above that. Whatever, I'm above that. But Paul does this like a, like, a, like a jewel in a crown. He's about to say whatever, and it means it, it, how much, how far. It's this beautiful translation of going, God is, God is presenting you this, this, this life that's how great, how much, how far. Not just whatever, like blow it off. No, God's promising something much greater. But you've got to change your thinking. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things and it will deal with your complaining heart and mind. Any of us can sing a song like Paul and him maybe on a good day. Paul and Silas had something extraordinary, supernatural. That no matter what the circumstance. But let me make sure you hear me here this morning. None of us, none of us can escape the sharp pain or crushing grief and some of life's worst circumstances. I'm not here to tell you today that you're going to escape those if you follow Christ. Even in the middle of singing your song in your depths of your soul, grief can come. Let me tell you this. Sometimes you don't get a warning on it. You don't know it's coming. The concern is this. It's in those moments many times you find out what faith you've been living. Where you've been all along. This knife of great pain. This knife of great stress. Will cut right through the fat of a faked faith. If it's not muscle. And it's fat. 
it's getting sliced up. Hebrews tells us that the word comes into our life sharper than a double-edged sword to the point of splitting bone and marrow. Well, I think crisis can do that to Christians. It's like a surgeon coming through and his accuracy of that surgeon being able to say, I can pinpoint and you will have to really figure out what you believe about this God. Because you can cry out to God for help, but that's different than wanting to know God. Even those who don't believe in God cry out for help. It's different. Some of you spent most of your Christian life crying out for help from God instead of just wanting to know God. So when this crisis or this event, whatever comes, and comes to slice and dice, you'll know what's there. And there will already be a song rolling around in the depths of your soul. Because you've been singing it a long time. Paul says, if you think about such things, the God of peace will guard your heart. The Greek word here for guard, I love. Because it's this image. And Paul is writing to Philippi where many retired military were. So he's writing to people who would get this immediately. It's not just like some disconnect for them. He's writing to a city where the Roman military had been retired and they would understand this concept. But it's like this image of a guard protecting the city walls. This military guard that's trying to stop or prevent a hostile invasion. The peace of God will be like a sentry marching around your heart and your mind as you think on such things. Literally fighting for you, fighting the enemy. So many of you have been trying to fight the enemy on your own. And you're in trouble. And you know it. So we continue the service this morning. I'm going to ask Josiah and them to come back up. We're going to continue to sing this morning. And I'll come back up here in a few minutes. But for so many of us, it's hard when we hear the words that Paul echoes over and over and over Rejoice. But I love what Paul closes this out with. Or I say close in verse 7. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And I love this little word right there. I in, in Christ Jesus. Not in renovation nodding all the rituals, not in all, keep doing all the right things, not even just in your daily devotionals, not in keeping all the disciplines and all the formation things that you go, man, I've got all this mark checked, it's checked, it's checked, got it, got it, got it, got it, whoa. 
Your faith can never be in that. It's in Christ Jesus. And we've said this a few times over the last few weeks. It was a saying I heard recently. I know for me personally, when I came to know Christ in 19, December 1986, I came to know Christ. I haven't gotten over it yet. There's no question in my mind, my mind why I've survived to this point. How? I don't know why. I can't imagine Christ going, I'm going to use that guy. But I'm glad I've stuck around to see what the fight's all about. And I want to stick around further to see what the fight's all about because there's a fight. If you don't think there's a fight, you have got your head buried in the sand. There is a fight for your life. There's a fight for this city. There's a fight for this church. There's a reason why this church has stayed here. This church could have died and been sold to somebody else. It could have been gone. But it's here for a reason. I don't know what all it is, but it's here. And it's for some of you. But it's in Christ Jesus, Paul says. And I love what he writes in Colossians. As some of the skit guys, I don't know if the book of collisions, maybe that's a better way to say it. Some of you know what it is that. <laughs> Chapter 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with Sometimes you just got to start singing before you feel like singing. You just do. Won't you stand? We're going to continue to sing and I'll come back up here in a few minutes. I can guarantee you this. You have a reason to sing. Just do. And I see throughout Scripture <laughs> singing plays a major role. They put the band out front, marching in a war, in a battle. Bad plan. <laughs> Apparently not. Singing's part of it. But let's continue to sing and I'll come back up. Lord, help us right now. opportunities in front of you open doors that you're going to have to have the faith and the courage to walk through it's a place right now for some of you you're looking at it going I don't know if I can but God's going I'm showing you again sometimes God's revelation trumps your reason Matter of fact, God's revelation always trumps anything. But he's speaking to you. And he's stirring something in you. But some of you have come today with great challenges. With all kinds of problems.
We don't need a great strategy, even though I'm a, a, a I like using strategery. <laughs> I believe in it. But what we need is an almighty God. So present upon us, so present in us, so present around us. God doesn't anoint programs. He doesn't even anoint properties necessarily. He anoints men and women. He anoints boys and girls. That's what he anoints. That's what he's after. It's an anointing upon his people. But I'm going to ask you to do something for me. If you would just close your eyes. I know it's some for it's a little different. But just maybe put your hands out in front of you. Hands up. Palms up. And just for a moment right now. Almost like your mind being a video screen. This giant video screen. That God brings before you right now those open doors and opportunities. He also brings before you those challenges and problems and stuff. And I want you to look at them. Just put them right there and look at them. Look directly at them. Do not shy away from them. Look at them. They're there. Face that challenge. Face that impossibility. Then I want you to declare that our God is the God of miracles. That our God can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. That is the God we serve. That is the God that we need in us and around us and through us. Heard his story just this week. Bill Johnson from Bethel said he had a friend of his one time said the enemy was harassing him so bad so he finally just got a chair out put a chair in front of him and he said devil sit down in this chair and you're going to sit there and watch me worship God sometimes you have to begin singing before you believe folks you just have to Psalm 95, 1 through 3 says, Come, let us sing for the joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is great, our great God, the great God above all gods. Let me say this. Scripture tells us that an earthquake happened for Paul and Silas. But let me tell you, folks, they were singing a song before those chains ever fell. They were already singing. I'm going to challenge you today to sing with everything you have. Sing it. Before you can feel it, begin to sing. Walk in obedience before you can see what God's going to do for you. And give Him thanks. Rejoice, I say. Rejoice. Let's sing.